Hey guys, I'm Jackie Brubaker, your host of That Girl, the podcast. I'm an author, performer, two-time Emmy Award winner, human relationship specialist, and founder of the wellness website, loveyouevenmore.com. Each week, I bring on inspiring people and experts in their field to have powerful, motivational, and enlightened conversations about relationships, self-development, and how you can live your most authentic life. Follow us for daily updates on myself and the podcast at That Girl the Podcast and at Jackie Brubaker on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and our Patreon page. While you're at it, make sure to check out my new wellness website, loveyouevenmore.com. If you're wanting to dig into developing more self-worth, be healthier about relationships, and learn how to date smarter, go to loveyouevenmore.com and follow us on Instagram at loveyouevenmore. Welcome, BJ Johnson, to That Girl, the podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. We are going to talk about... Oh, and- sorry. Oh, oh one that? second. My name is LJ. Oh, wait. Why did I say... Sorry. That is... You know what? It's because okay. we're talking about vaginas, and I, I like got yes, it in there. Talking about the vajayjays. Yes. <laughs> Good. I was like, oh, I was like, she may want to... Re- re- you may... We can start all over. I was like, I think she probably... Yeah, it's fine. Let's just I, keep I, going. I, I actually <laughs> like that I messed up. <laughs> Her name is LJ, guys. LJ. <laughs> LJ Johnson. She is a women's hormones coach, and we are going to talk about endometriosis endometriosis. I said it right. Finally, it's been a tough word for me. We're going to talk about endo today, whether you've had it or you have it, or you don't, or you're interested, or you think you might, we're going to get all into it. I'm very excited to talk to you. So LJ. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I know it's busy on your schedule with podcasts, but I appreciate the opportunity to talk everything endometriosis. I know it's a tricky word. It's okay just to say endo. We do the same thing sometimes as endo warriors because you're just like endometriosis. It's like supercal or what? Like it's a lot going on, right? (laughs) Body and with the word. So I am LJ Johnson, women's hormone expert. I specialize specifically in women's health, womb health, everything endometriosis, PCOS and fibroids. I personally am an endo warrior. It took me 16 years to get diagnosed with endometriosis. So that was 16 year long journey. You know, everything, the medical gaslighting, doctors telling me I'm crazy, me hating my body, saying things like I hate my uterus when endometriosis is not my uterus, just all of those things. Like that was my journey for so long. And that's why I do what I do. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. Cause I'm like, I've been there, done that. And I know it is a long road and a heavy cross to bear as an endo warrior. Oh my gosh. So let's start at the beginning. Um, You're right. And I, I really want to preface this because doctors, unless they're maybe women doctors, and I'll give them like a a chance there, but doctors don't believe women when they tell them they have pain. And this is a chronic problem in our medical society, in our medical profession. And I know for all the women listening, they're like, yep, that's right. It could be a cold. And they could be like, you're fine. I went to the, I went to the doctor once I had a 103 temperature. He's like, yeah, you have the flu. I was like, oh, thanks. Like just no, like no disregard. It was just, it was so annoying. So doctors don't listen. So talk, talk about like when you were feeling like something is wrong, I'm having extreme pain going to the doctor, help me figure it out. Right. 
I know. So my journey, I'm 42 years old. I don't care about my age. I just throw it out there. So at 42, my issue started. I know like I'm baby, we still rocking in and rolling. So at 42 is where I'm at right now. But at the 12 years old is when I started my period. And then at 14 years old, that is when the endometriosis symptoms started to creep up. And so the reason I say that is because a lot of people will, you know, associate, you know, certain things. You're like, oh, it's period pain. It's a bad period. You know, oh, I must've ate really, you know, I had a bunch of in and out and Taco Bell last month. Oh, this period is going to suck. Like it's way more than that. So yeah. for me personally, I'll talk about my story and then I'll talk about what endometriosis is because my endo story could look totally different from 20 people that listen to this podcast. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's not my story. And then another hundred could be like, oh my gosh, LJ is me. Like she's talking to me. I'm reading your mail. Right. So yeah. for me, it started off with pelvic pain, painful periods, um, nausea around my cycle. I remember as I date myself, I always talk about how my friends would run the bleachers during the gym class. Right. Like around my period, I couldn't run my bleachers. I couldn't walk. I couldn't do this. I remember crawling to the bathroom. I remember, you know, waking up with this pens and needles feeling in my bladder, always feeling like something was like dancing on my bladder. Wow. Um, I would always get diagnosed with a UTI. I was always constipated. Like, let's talk about it, ladies. Like, you're sexy. I love it. We're going to get real. I love it. (laughs) 24 seven, right? Like, there's nothing empowering about that, right? Nothing that boosts your self esteem like that. So, for Ah. me, it started with just the pelvic pain and the period pain. And then while I was looking for that diagnosis, and I will say, as a black woman, my mother was like, You're a strong black woman. You don't feel pain. And I'm kind of like, But I am feeling something. And she's right. like, No, you keep pushing. So, in our minds and in our household as a black woman, we don't, and even just women in general, you don't complain, right? Like you said, 103 fever, honey, you got the flu. Here's a note. Just going to work tomorrow. Don't talk on anyone. Like, no big yeah. deal, right? Like, um, but I have all this going on. It's like very nonchalant, you know, happenstance. Oh, by the way, right? right. And so for me, really, yeah. Exactly. Push past it. If you're a strong woman, you'll push past it. Because these other women, they're complaining about your periods. So if you're complaining, there's definitely something going on there. And you're like, yeah, because it's not period pain, right? So for me, it started off as pelvic pain and period pain. Then I got to the age of, you know, around 16, 17. So I graduated high school when I was 15. So that changes my story a little bit. So at 15, I was kind of like the boss of me. I went straight to college, graduated early. And so I remember getting Kaiser and kind of taking my own medical into my own hands. Like I was like, okay, my mom's not thinking it's a big deal. But like, I've got college professors being like, LJ, you're amazing when you're here, but when you're not, here. And it's like, how do you explain to your male professor that you are an amazing person, but you have a period? He's like, yeah, like all the other women here, but you're like mine. I can't get out of my bed. I can't leave the dorm. I'm wheezing. I'm puffing on my inhaler. I'm doing, you know, nebulizing treatments all day because my whole entire body was shut down. So it would do that right before my cycle. And then it progressively got worse. So it got to where, oh, once a week, you know, once a month, I'm out of commission. It's my period. Basically don't call me. Don't bug me. Don't ask me to do anything. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm down for the count. Then it turned into a week before my cycle. So I have to find one of my old calendars, but I would literally write like PMS week on there. So I knew I couldn't travel. I couldn't do presentations. I couldn't do sports. I couldn't do this. So that is how I lived my life. So basically six months out of the year, I'm already wiped out. But what happened as I was still seeking my diagnosis and my body was dealing with all that chronic systemic inflammation, system after system, it just systemically started shutting down. I started having bowel issues. My asthma was out of control and it got to where I was in pain all the time. I had pelvic pain when I was bleeding. I had pelvic pain when I wasn't bleeding. Oh, by the way, then I'd bleed for no reason. The wind would blow and I'd feel sick. Like it was crazy. I was having hot flashes. Like all of these things were happening. And this is with me going to the doctor, like trying 
trying to put myself in the driver's seat, me trying to, you know, explain like what was going on. And no one would make the connection that that weird pain in my lungs had anything to do with the pelvic pain and the bleeding, which had to also do with the chronic sinus infections and the yeast overgrowth and the hormonal acne. It was very much for women. You know, we have acne. We're like, get me to the dermatologist. Got a pimple. What can we do to clear this up? Right. Oh, I'm gassy. Let me go to my gastroenterologist. There's something wrong with my stomach. And I think there's nothing wrong with prioritizing and advocating, but you need someone like myself to pull those pieces together, right? You need a practitioner that's going to be like, Hey, you know, LJ, Jacqueline, every time you come in, you're talking about this, that, and the other, I'm starting to see a connection here, right? Like you're having pelvic pain outside of your period. You know, you're having pelvic pain, even though you're taking the birth control, you know, all of those things. So for me, it just systemically started to ruin my health, not to mention just the autoimmune issues, all of the immune system issues. Like it was chronic every single day. Finally got my diagnosis and literally how I got my diagnosis is back in the day, like when we weren't saving paper, right? So I had like printed off all these things. I went to my doctor and I'm like, I think this is me kind of thing, right? Yeah. And um, they were like, I think you're onto something, you know, like I think that. And so that began my diagnosis, right? I didn't have Instagram and Clubhouse and all these amazing resources. Mm-hmm. I was the girl that had the weird period that everyone thought was pain pill seeking, you know, and especially as a black woman, even the more they're just kind of like keep pushing you know, you have a higher tolerance pain. And it was like, I was dying inside. Everything may have looked okay on the outside. Mm -hmm. I had less fun that. I was traveling the world. I was doing all these things and helping everyone else with their health. But on the other hand, I was suffering. So I'll pause there because then that's when I got my diagnosis. And even then it was the whole, like, by the way, do we mention there's no cure? Do you want to go back on the birth control? Do you want to go back on the pain pills? And it was like, oh, I thought once you got the diagnosis, you were going to like bring that silver bullet that was going to change my entire world. And yeah. that's typically not what happened. It didn't happen for me and doesn't happen for most endo warriors. Oh my gosh. That is a lot, but I, I know your story right. isn't unusual and I'm just, you know, like listening, listening to you, it just reminds me. And I don't think that I have endo, but growing up, I would literally have to take like a week off of school or I wasn't even working because I was still in like teenager college mode. I would be so incapacitated. I remember once I was having such severe cramps that my um, my boyfriend had like left and he came back like maybe 15 minutes later. And I was so happy he did because I could not get off the bed to like leave his house to go home. I was like, I'm gonna die. And he literally carried me to the car and drove me home. And I I used to take like Ativan because I was going into like a panic attack because of pain. Right. I was like, I don't know what this is. Like it took so long to like figure out what it is. So I did finally go on birth control and that has completely helped me. So that was kind of one of my biggest questions before you mentioned the birth control. Does right, it work right, for right. does it work for some women and then not for others, or does it just not work when you have endo? So that's a perfect question. Let's circle back to that question after I answer and let's talk about what is endometriosis because as we define that, some of those misconceptions will kind of weed those out. So endometriosis, everyone pause what you're doing. If you're driving, stay focused, but listen, endometriosis (laughs) is uterine like lining. I'm going to say this three times, uterine like 
I repeat, uterine like it is not uterine lining. It is uterine like lining found outside of the uterus, right? It is hormonally, um, you know, pushed. It's hormonally driven. It can be autoimmune like it is chronic systemic inflammation throughout your entire body. So it's not just a reproductive disorder, right? Just because you have endometriosis doesn't mean that you're going to have fertility issues. Just because you have endometriosis does not mean that you're going to have pelvic pain. Some people have zero pelvic pain. Maybe they have heavy bleeding, no pain whatsoever. They don't know that there's an endo diagnosis until there's a fertility issue, right? So that being that being said, you know, now that we know it's not uterine lining, it's not a painful period, right? It's not menstrual blood. It's not old blood that's hanging out and then dumping out, you know, yeah. when you're and you're like, these murder like periods, and you're like, what's going on, right? Oh, so yeah. it is not <laughs> uterine lining, right? So it's yeah. not uterine so when you're bringing in things like birth control birth control can be an amazing contraceptive right it's going to you know wreak havoc on your gi system and all of those things but it's not going to correct or stop or cure your endometriosis it's just a band-aid right so yeah. i'll pause there because sometimes you need the band-aids right i've had to take pharmaceuticals and i always say this and i'm going to start saying it a lot more when i come sometimes people are like gosh you're just coming down so hard and i'm like but this is why, right? Like I'm just a straightforward girl. Like I'm not going to sugarcoat it because there's nothing like, you know, being lied to at the doctor's office, being lied to from your professionals and therapists and everyone else, right? It doesn't do you any good. The other thing is, is that it is severe, right? It is severe pain. It's not a reproductive disorder. So if you're just putting band-aids on the pelvic pain with the birth control, you know, the hormonal acne taking the birth control, it's not going to cure your endometriosis. Like as of right now and 2022, there is no cure. Now, sometimes bringing in the pharmaceuticals, the birth control, the pain pills can add to your quality of life. It can help you. Like if you're bleeding a ton, maybe you want to just cut back on that bleeding for anemia and different health reasons, but it's not quite to correct your endometriosis it's not going to cure it right which brings us to the other big misconception of you know well get pregnant if you get pregnant you'll stretch everything out and it's like pregnancy does not cure endometriosis I had two children and I remember having a conversation with my doctor and like okay how many kids do I need to have a basketball team like five six eight like what's going on because I'm still in pain and I once again I bought the misconception have the kids stretch everything out I'm like kid one stretch everything out pain got a little better came back with a bit I'm like, baby two, I'm going to blow this out of the water. No, was actually still in pain during pregnancy and it got worse after. So that's another misconception. Have a baby, stretch it all out. And then the other big one, when we kind of think about the birth control is have a hysterectomy. Okay. If you're chronically bleeding, you've got pelvic pain. You know what? Let's yank out all your lady parts, right? Yank everything out. And then you'll be pelvic pain free. But here's the deal endometriosis is not inside your uterus. Mm -hmm. So removing your uterus and removing your ovaries, yes, it's going to affect your hormone levels. Yes, it can improve your quality of life, et cetera, but it's not going to remove the endometriosis from your body. The lesions can be anywhere from your ear to your brain. Some people have nosebleeds when they're on their cycle. They have nosebleeds outside of their cycle, right? Period pain and endometriosis pain are two different things. Endometriosis pain can be 24 7, 365. It has nothing to do with your period. Now, you may have more pain and discomfort around your cycle, around ovulation, right? Your cycles may be longer or heavier, et cetera, depending on your hormones. And typically, there's some estrogen dominance that's going on, right? Some imbalance in your hormones. But it's not something that can be corrected by pregnancies, hysterectomies, or birth control. Wow. So, that's actually, it's so interesting. My girlfriend, and I literally just talked about that. And she said, my daughter, my doctor said, get pregnant right now. And she's like, I don't want to, <laughs> that's not an option. 
And I was like, ooh, that's an interesting question. So then also the hysterectomy thing was brought up as well. So the baby thing makes sense, right? It's just like, it is what it is. I would also imagine I knew someone who was pregnant with endo. It was extremely painful. Was it painful for you when you were pregnant? So my first pregnancy, I didn't have pain during my pregnancy. When I was pregnant with my son, who's been a joy ever since he got here, but let me tell you, that second <laughs> pregnancy, endo, kicked my butt. I'm not going to lie, right? Yeah. And that's like the next, next to an F-bomb that I can drop, right? It kicked my butt. I was in pain 24-7, and it wasn't just in my uterine area, right? It was sciatic pain. I had chronic, you know, headaches. I was, you know, blurred vision, like all these other things because my body was so inflamed. And honestly, it's so, it's just so hard. It just breaks my heart when I think about it because your friend dealing with endo, they're like, well, hurry up and have a baby before everything goes wrong. Or you know what? You don't want to take our advice. Let's yank everything out. And then if she goes back in, they're like, well, we already gave you your two options. You obviously don't want to get better because you're not going to do this and not going to do that. And so that's where I come in. Cause I'm like, sometimes we need a little bit of the modern medicine. Like I say, I don't come from the high horse because I'm like, don't do it. I'm like, baby, I'm coming from the low horse because I've been there, done that. I tried the birth control, right? Yeah. I tried the medically induced menopause. I had two children. Like I tried all this stuff. But at the end of the day, where I really got my freedom and really began to start healing myself naturally, not that I can cure your endo or cure mine, but where I was able to really let, just be like, hey, I need quality of life. I'm a single parent with two children. There are days that I can't even walk my kids, you know, from upstairs to downstairs to pack their lunch and take them out to the bus stop. Like my yeah. body was shutting down. And so I had to make some huge lifestyle changes. And that's typically what everyone has to do. May it be tweaking your nutrition, working on your detox pathways, doing a Dutch test to see where your hormones are actually at, you know, cutting back on some of our perfumes and fun, you know, stuff that's bringing toxins into our body. Everyone's quality of life looks a little different. Everyone's nutrition or what they call an endo diet, which I don't believe in an endo diet because I could list 10 foods right now that are amazing and they could work great for your friend. And then those 10 could be like poison to my body, right? Like everyone's body is different. So it's finding like what your food triggers are, you know, what your fitness looks like, you know, also detoxifying your body. And then really the biggest thing is really managing the chronic systemic inflammation because the inflammation is the biggest thing. It's driving the pain. It's kind of like, I just had a surgery recently and they were like, you know, here's all these pain relievers. And I'm like, I'd rather have an anti-inflammatory or do things to decrease my inflammation because a pain pill is not going to really decrease the inflammation. If I can do that, then I won't be in pain. It's like a whole other way of thinking. And my surgeon's like, yeah, that's true. But most people, I'm like, I know most people want the pain pill, but I'm like, let's, you know, I did a lot of detoxing and things before my surgery so that I could go in and not be as inflamed and have those issues. I agree. I had a surgery a couple of years ago and I was like, for the next month, I'm just going to be very anti-inflammatory foods, et cetera. Because I really, no alcohol, nothing, just like super, super clean. And I had a great surgery. It was great. Um, before we get into all of what you were just talking about, because I really want to dive into that, but I have two questions. Um, yes. So, because I was thinking, is endo autoimmune, and that, and also, it because it's it's uterine like tissue. Where does it stem from? Like, is it stemming from the uterus? Like, is that where it forms? Like, because you know, if someone was like, "Oh, I'll have a hysterectomy, and then I won't have it anymore." Where else will it start from? 
in the body. So where it all starts, we're still doing the research on that. Like what causes endo, right? Some are saying that it's there in utero. Um, so basically when I was in my mother's womb, you know, my mother actually on her side of the family, all five of her sisters, they've all had hysterectomies, but her, right. So clearly there were some genetic precursors that moved down. Um, it, you know, I think it's one of those things where genetics may load the gun. I hate to say it, but our lifestyle actions really pull the trigger. Right. I know for me, I was doing a lot of soy. I was under a lot of stress. Um, you know, even as a child, like, you know, making A's all the time and just a rigorous, you know, military family and traveling, I'm sure my stress level was up even as a child. Like, I remember even just simple things like I was the bedwetter, right? Like people don't really think about that, you know, and it's like back then it was yeah. so stressful. So like yeah. all of those things. So there is no one thing where I can say like, these are the five things that cause endo. Like no one can say that, right? There's so many different speculations out there, but we do know it's hormonally driven. Okay. Typically it's going to be some higher estrogen levels, which is why as those hormones change, so do your symptoms. Um, and then I'm trying to circle back. Your next question was. Uh, where does it come from? Like, where does it actually stem from? Right. So that's, what we don't know exactly okay. where it stems from. Right? And then is it autoimmune? So it has autoimmune-like factors. Um, I personally, and this is where it gets very controversial, I feel it is an autoimmune disorders. Other practitioners, other doctors are going to say, no, it's not, right? Mm -hmm. They're just like, once again, it's a reproductive disease. But it's very much from what I've seen with my patients, even with my own health and my immune system, very much like an autoimmune. And I do have most people when they look at it, um, that's interesting you say that because a lot of people when they have endo, like anything that happens, they throw it under the endo umbrella. Like, oh, it's just going to be that way I have endo. But yeah. sometimes I'm like, well, that chronic systemic, this, that, and the other could be something else, right? So if you're an endo warrior and you're like, okay, I have endo, there's no cure and you're ready to just be like, okay, on to the next. Like you still have to really prioritize your body because it does have these autoimmune issues, right? So that's where you start seeing all those food sensitivity leaky gut, food allergies, all these other things that you're just like, oh, that's just quirky and unique. And that's how I am. Mm -hmm. And that's all fine and great. But there's typically that autoimmune component. I agree with you. I mean, listen, like I'm not a scientist or a doctor yet, um, but <laughs> but I, I really, while you were describing it in the beginning, I was like, oh, this sounds autoimmune. It really does. Um, Absolutely. So I think your hunch is correct as well. And okay. So Yes. So my, my girlfriend was like, what happens if someone has surgery, not necessarily, um, surgery of a hysterectomy, but maybe just, are there surgeries to remove the, the tissue? There is. Right. What so your gold standard, I know, right. You're like, give me those options. So your golden standard to be diagnosed with endometriosis is laparoscopic procedure where they go in, they kind of look around and they see, and then they biopsy the lesion, right? That's the golden standard to be diagnosed. Your golden standard to have it removed is to have it excised, right? But the thing is, is that insurance will usually want you to do an ablation. And an ablation, the best way to describe it is like, here's the layer. They're just going to go and burn, right? We're going to yeah. burn here, burn in there, you're just going to kind of piss off the endo, right? You're not really yeah. getting through the person that cuts the weeds just at the top of the grass that doesn't want to do the work to get those gloves and pull the root out. Yeah. Excision, you're going for the root. But here's the deal. There are millions and millions of people with uteruses that are dealing with endometriosis, right? Even some without a uterus. However, there's probably only, when I say a handful, 200 to 250, not even 300 excision specialists, right? So I love my OBGYNs. I know they do everything from UTIs to liver babies and et cetera. But when it comes to excising endometriosis, this is what I say, like, 
you want your road warrior, your ride or die, someone that eats, sleeps and breathes endometriosis that knows exactly what it looks like, because it could be on your bowel. It could be in thoracic endo, right? It could be in your chest cavity. It could be all over. So you need a specialist that's not like, I got all this. That's someone that's willing to bring in other specialists because when they open you up, you're going in and actually cutting out those lesions, right? I mean, they need to be able to look at that. And many of, you know, many of the physicians like may see a little, I've heard lots of people where they're like, yeah, my OB did the surgery. She did the best she could. She said she's seen something that she couldn't quite get. I mean, yes, no surgery is hundred percent foolproof, right? But when you have a physician, that's kind of like, I don't even really know what I'm looking for. I kind of do. I've seen a couple, but I mean, you need someone that specializes in this. And so that's when it comes to like education, right? Like it would be amazing if there was like a doctorate program just for this specialty, just for endometriosis, because it can be just as intricate as cancer, right? And if you think of saying it's more painful, it is more systemic and think of all the cancer research that's done in all the cancer facilities and nothing against that diagnosis. But when you're talking about endometriosis, it has some of those same intricacies that makes it just as difficult and damaging to our bodies. Right. Yet there's hardly any research on what we can do as far as a cure. Why do you think there isn't enough research? Do you think it's just funding or not enough attention? I think it's funding. I also feel like, you know, this is the month of March, right? Everyone's talking about it, but here's the deal. You know, me, your friend, everyone else, we're dealing with this every day, right? Just because we're getting a little bit more love and attention on Instagram with a couple likes and hearts during the month of March, like it's really never been prioritized. And it's always just really been looked at as a reproductive disease or pelvic pain. As soon as you say pelvic pain, they're like, ah, What's the birth control idea for the day? What samples have we gotten in from the reps? That's what we're passing out. And so many of us, you know, there's also people that have been on birth control, maybe just as a contraceptive. They don't know what's going on. They've never had any issues. Then they come off the birth control and suddenly that band-aid's ripped off and all of these symptoms start to appear. And they're like, holy crap, I had no idea. That's why I'm going to stay in birth control the rest of my life, guys. That's it. <laughs> I've already made a decision. I'm years old. I'm going to be filling that prescription. <laughs> yep. Yep. Good hormones. Keep me even because I know I get crazy if I go off it. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So let's talk about the nutrition aspect of it because yes. then, again, my girlfriend again was like, I am just not eating certain things. And I think... I'm so grateful that we are living in an age where people really are listening to anti-inflammatory diets and trying to eat for our bodies to be happier bodies, to have longer life, but also have like healthier life. So let's get back into all of that because you were going down that path and I was like, hold on, hold on. You were were like, you're such a great speaker. So so go. <laughs> yes. No, um, the nutrition is huge. I know for me, um, I came from a strong, you know, fitness background. We're pounding the protein shakes, this, that, and the other. We're over-exercising. I had to drop all of that. Like that was not serving my endo journey. I'll call myself out. You know, I was drinking soy protein shakes in between teaching classes. Soy for me personally was just feeding. It was working against me, right? The chainsaws in my bladder, I was basically just you know, put more gasoline in the chainsaw and letting it just go all over. Like it was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And so I really had to change my mindset. Also the whole, you know, when you're estrogen dominant and you have endometriosis and you start putting on this weight, you're like, Whoa, it's time to pull back from the table. I got to decrease my amount of food. And here's the deal. Your body is not going to be able to heal on a thousand calories, 1200 calories a month. Like, or I'm sorry, a month, definitely not a month. month. You're You're definitely dying. 
You need to tap in immediately. (laughs) 1,200 calories a day is not going to be enough, right? You have to nourish your body, especially if you've been on things like birth control, pharmaceuticals, et cetera. You've got to hyper-nourish your body. As soon as you pop that first birth control pill, and I'm not trying to demonize the pill, but the magnesium, calcium, all of these essential building blocks that you need to heal and stay strong, they're no longer there. Think about it. If you cut your hand by accident, you don't have to go and, you know, do a bunch of stuff for your body to start heal. It does it naturally, but you have to give it the building blocks to do that. Right. So for me, the scarcity mindset, the whole, you know, living on chicken and broccoli six times a day to rev up my metabolism and build muscle that had to go out the window. Right. Especially for my blood type. Chicken was literally killing me. Like that is my blood type. I'm blood type B. Oh, same, same. Yeah. So chicken doesn't work for me. And the cleaner, the purer, the the more organic, the more money I spend for it at whole paycheck, the worse I'm going to feel, right? Like it just doesn't work for my body. Right. So I had to really leave that scarcity mindset and really move into the hyper nourishing my body, right? Not just living on the protein shakes, not just drinking water when it was convenient, right? Not just grabbing the quick and go. I had to slow down and do some food prep. You know, I love to look at my blood type because a lot of the foods I was eating weren't working for me, right? The peanut the chicken, a lot of the inflammatory foods. Um, when you think about the nightshades, the tomatoes, the white potatoes, eggplant, some of those things yeah. really were inflaming my body. I was really strict keto at once, right? So that means keto, you're free to have all the bacon and cheese in the world. The bacon was okay for me. I could maybe tolerate that, but the cheese, the dairy, the wheat and the gluten, like it would just, I'd be like a little oompa loompa. Like I just would blow up, right? Like yeah, you just get really miserable. Loaded. And so for me, I had to make those changes, but then it's also coming from being an indoor warrior that you could drink water and be bloated, right? And so that's why I want to stop right there and say, this is why if the bloating is an issue, the gas is an issue, the acne, whatever, don't just sweep it under the endo rug, right? So for me personally, that I would drink water sometimes and get bloated. It's because I had all that inflammation in my gut. My bowels weren't moving. I had bacterial Mm -hmm. overgrowth, right? There wasn't Mm -hmm. one food that was going to cure that bacterial overgrowth, right? I had to bring in a pharmaceutical. I had SIBO before. I've had SIBO. I've had H. pylori. And so a lot of the times when you have endometriosis diagnosis, you're dealing with these underlying things. And so tweaking your nutrition can be powerful, but sometimes you're going to need to work with someone like myself or practitioner that can help you with those supplements and do those other things that you need to do so that you can stay on track. And so a lot of times we just want to eliminate a couple foods or it's very frustrating because you're like, and it, it happens. Sometimes you'll eat foods for two weeks. You'll feel amazing. Week three, you eat it. Your hormones change. And you're like, oh my God, I think I'm allergic, right? <laughs> you're just like, what? is going and so really just nourishing your body I like to avoid the wheat gluten and dairy I know a lot of people are like well I just don't want to be restricted and here's the deal you're restricted right now think about all the miss from work all the time you missed for your family all the weekends you were on the couch when your family was out you know doing all the fun stuff like I'm here in Arizona it's amazing weather right all those weekends that you could have been out golfing and hiking you're stuck on the couch. So you're essentially restricted right now, right? You know, oh, it costs too much money to eat healthy. Mm, Okay. How many days of work did you miss last month? Eight days. Let's just do the math. You know, eight times what, you know, like sometimes you really have to like put it into perspective, you know, like I've got a monthly membership at $7 and 99 cents or it's 1799 now to just kind of help you. Right. So like, if there's a will, there's a way, but you have to really commit yourself. And with the nutrition, I know people get upset when I say this, but I'm going to say it. 
here's the deal. Your players don't call you and be like, hey, I'm going to take a year off. I'm going to give you a break. Those players are consistent. They show up when they want to. And you have to have the tools in your toolbox ready. Your nutrition has to be just as consistent, right? Mm -hmm. The cycle that you're having right now in March is because of all the food that you ate and things you did in December, January, and February, right? So you have to really think about that. If you want your cycle to look different and no, period pain and endo are different, but there is some correlations, right? They're working together with those hormones. Then make those changes now in March, April, May, so that June will look different, right? Turn your nutrition around. And that's another reason why, not to plug myself, but partner with someone like myself or whatever, because Partner we've with done it. <laughs> yes. I mean, been there, done that, right? Like you can yeah. do Dr. Google and WebMD and, you know, be up at 2 a.m. in tears, but it's like, why do all the rabbit trails when you can just go with proven steps that are going to get you there? I am just, seriously, I, I don't even think I have endo, but everything you're saying just resonates with me. And I'm just, you know, I'm just here with you. Like this, this is just gold. My God, like inflammation is truly just happening to so many people and they don't even know it. And you're right. Like I was even thinking about how, you know, in uh, November, December of, of last year, I ate all these right. foods that I wasn't normally eating. I went off this like um, really, yeah, yeah. Like, I went off this really strict diet of everything. Like you eat, I'm a type B blood. I don't eat chicken, all of this stuff, like no dairy, no nightshades, all the gluten. No. And I felt amazing, like better than I've ever felt in my life. No bloating. I was like, I never knew my stomach could be so flat. I had no idea. Really? I, my brain is clear. Everything is so much better. Listen, then November, December, ate a bunch of crap. And it took right. like January. I felt like I got hit by a truck for an exactly. entire month and a half. And I was like, oh my God. So now I'm back to that. I'm only eating fish, like no more meat meat. Like just, and I feel so much better, but it's what you're saying is right. so true, whether you have endo or not, if you're listening and you're like, this is just really interesting. It is so about the way that you feed your body and like listening to your body. Like you don't do well in chicken. Even as a kid, I didn't like chicken, not because I don't right. like the taste. I did not like the way it made me feel. And I could feel it as right. a child. Your body talks to you. So oh, I love so much of that. Oh my God. I'm happy you're here. Yes. All those symptoms are like your check engine light, right? Yes. So it's like, if you walked in your car right now and there was a flat tire, would you put your family in there and be like, Hey, we're only going a couple miles. The car could roll over, but we're going to do the best we can. No, yeah. you would fix the flat, you call AAA, you do whatever, but we get a pain in our body or we get an ill and we yeah. want to just grab the ill and cover it up and keep going. And it's like, no, it's your check engine light. Yours period. You're, you know, it's a vital sign. Yeah. It is a sign for your body so if it's irregular if you're having painful you know periods and it's also the thing that we've normalized pain like oh you have a uterus uh, it's just gonna be tough a couple weeks out of the year yeah. and or out of a month that's not necessarily true yeah. but it's like we have up, we have to break that stigma. And that is what I'm all about having those, making those comfortable, you know, those uncomfortable conversations a little more comfortable yeah. and just removing that stigma that, you know, okay, you have a menstrual cycle. That's fine and great. Okay. You have endometriosis, but what can I do to get you in the driver's seat so that you can have quality of life? Right. right. Like I said, I turned mine around when I was a single parent with two children, I needed to take care of them. I needed money, like real yeah. talk. My kids were in college prep school. It wasn't about keeping up with the Joneses. It was making sure that they have the stuff they need for tuition and programs and this, that, and the other. And I couldn't do that. You know, I couldn't even pay some of my basic living expenses being stuck on the couch every day yeah. in pain, you know, or super sedated on narcotics, you yeah. know, with zero life. Like for me, I didn't want to continue living my life like that. 
No. And like, all I'm hearing too is like, women are so apt to be like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I can push through it. Like we talked before, but we do not give ourselves and men are even worse, but you know, we don't give ourselves enough time and, and real attention to actually go and solve the problem. Like go to the doctor, really save, like saving ourselves, you know, cause we're just so about getting it done and moving forward and worrying about everybody else except ourselves. When what we really need to do is stop worry about ourselves, fix it and, and really recalculate. I think this is such a strong point that you're making is like really recalculating the money and the time and the effort and what that's really going to pay off as if you just put some time and effort into it right now, figure it out and start learning more about it as you go. Cause I'm sure it goes up and down and new things happen and you have to recalibrate, but yeah, I, I'm man, I, I just think that this is such an interesting conversation and if anything, you know, I'm such a, a women's advocate for health specifically because again, doctors don't listen and women, I think are, like you said, too afraid to find out and also do not want to take the time to help themselves. And it's really important that we do. So I'm just so glad. Absolutely. And it takes sometimes hitting that rock bottom to be like, oh my gosh, like, what am I doing? Right. Like I don't have I'm always in pain. I'm avoiding relationships and friendships. And, you know, I'm avoiding all of these things. You know, it's like you want your career, you want this, that, and the other. But it's hard to focus on, you know, getting that promotion, moving your business to the next level. Like as a entrepreneur, entrepreneur, you have these goals, but it's like if you're always circling and chasing these health issues, you can't even show up and be your very best self. And so that is why I encourage people. I know some people are listening to this and we'll post links, but I have a link and it's called, um, if you go to my Instagram and you click on the link and we'll have all the other links and it says, could it be endo? Like maybe you're listening and you're like, I don't know if I have endo. Maybe you're like, you know what? She's just charismatic. I want to check it out either way. If you click on that link, it'll, you know, it's a really great download and it's something you can kind of print off and even just take to your physician and be like, Hey, you know, like I'm just seeing some similarities. I've been having some issues. I realized that we discussed it before, you know, is it possible? And you want to make sure that they're willing to hear you out. You know, I mean, I think biggest thing, like you said, is taking the time. The next biggest challenge is finding a practitioner that's actually going to listen to you and validate and not be like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Or just stay this, that, and the other, like you, you saying like, no, I, it's okay for me to not be okay, but I really would like to get to the root of the problem. And that's where I come in. Absolutely. Okay. Tell people how they can find you again. All of her links will be in the show notes, but just tell people anyway. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I have a ton of fun on clubhouse and on Instagram. My Instagram is LJS underscore powerhouse. And then I'm ljspowerhouse.org. All my links will be on there, but would love to connect. I know this is a lot of information. I know I talk really fast and I get super passionate and excited, but you can definitely, um, with all my links, when you go to my website, there's a 10 minute free discovery call. And so maybe you're just like, Hey, I do have endo. I've been suffering. I'm doing this, that, and the other, you know, I'm on birth control. I want to come off of it. You know, let's create a plan or you're like, Hey, I'm just tired of suffering, but I don't want to do the legwork to figure out the fitness, nutrition, the supplements. Then yeah, put yourself in the driver's seat, book the 10 minute and let's collaborate. Oh, I love it. You guys, seriously, I, I have loved having you on and hearing your story and talking with you about this. Cause it's so important. Um, go check her out, go check out uh, LJ and just Thank you so much. This has been so great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been good energy, just a great conversation. And hopefully someone, even if it's just one little person that resonates or just one person that maybe has been suffering and thinking they're crazy and they're like, oh my God, I'm not crazy because someone else is sharing the same story. Like that is why I do. It's 
awesome, you guys. Thank you so much, Alday. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember, sharing is caring. Make sure to rate the podcast and leave a review. We really rely on this to help get the podcast out there. Also, make sure to watch the video version on YouTube at That Girl the Podcast.